JR the Podcast thanks Black History Month. 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 Thank you. JR the Podcast thanks Black History Month. 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 Hip hop happening. It's your old chuckle buddy. Yes, Jonathan James Ramtram. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent February 28th in the year of our Lord, 2019. Welcome to Jonathan Ramtram the podcast. If you hear some infernal beeping in the background, it's been uh, snowy. A snowy adventure winter wonderland here in Toronto, Canada. So at the present moment, it is 4.46 in the a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And these dipshit fucking asshole dilly-willy fuckfaces are um, shoveling the snow with their big fucking tractor shovels. And uh, it's annoying as shit, but it has to be done. And uh, please bear with me if you hear any faint beeping in the background. It's not your imagination. It's these motherfucking snowmen. Anyway, um, if you're new to the podcast, uh, Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast. I am an actor. I have um, experience, 18 years of experience, some pockets in there. I wasn't working. Uh, I got a diploma in theater arts. Um, 
yeah, some days I feel like I was born to be an actor. I want to do it. I want to continue. I want to learn more. I want to produce and direct and write and, you know, just really flush out what it means to be an actor and continue on this journey to really see it to fruition, to get the full experience. And then some days I'm just like, yo, fuck it. Flush it down the toilet. Annihilate it. Enough already. I'm just sick of it. Done. Over it. And over it like my ovaries. You know, I'm just over it. And <clears throat> that's what um, that's what I think the blessing is. I was thinking about it. Because it also ties in with my comedy. Stand-up comic. I got 10 years of stand-up comedy experience. I'm in an intermediate phase right now. I got the podcast. Uh, I'm working on doing shows. I got a lot to learn, but a lot to grow. And what I'm starting to realize the blessing is I'm getting the full experience. Because when I started, I was started very young, luckily. So I started at age 14. I went to theater school around age 17, graduated by 19, was out there trying to get work as an actor. It wasn't really coming, having some successes, some failures. Then I started doing stand-up comedy. I uh, got some professional work as a stand-up comic. I was getting booked as a middle act, meaning I would do like, you know, 10 to 20 minutes on a professional stand-up comedy stage at a professional stand-up comedy club, making a little money. Not enough to really, you know, mean anything, but professional, doing professional work. That tapered off when I, uh, as, an, as another part of my story, I'm an alcoholic. Two years and three months of sobriety. But at the time, I was just straight up into my alcoholism. So, you know, I burnt a lot of bridges, wasted a lot of opportunity, squandered. So here I am now. 32-year-old man, 32 years old, stand-up comic, actor, experience, ups and downs. And what I'm realizing the, the blessing is, is I'm getting the full effect. Because, you know, as we all want it, I wanted it the easy way. <laughs> I wanted to have a career, you know, snap my fingers and be there in Hollywood or whatever, right? And it just didn't work out that way for me. I've had to fucking bust my hump, grind, ups and downs, recovery, uh, family tragedy, personal tragedy, you know, career highs and lows, you know, not many highs, but there were definitely some lows. And <laughs> here it is, 32 years old, 18 years in the game, and I'm just thankful to be doing it. And to be honest, some days it's like I want to do it forever. I love it. It's what I was meant to do. And some days I just truly don't give a fuck. I just see all the narcissism, the, the ego, the, the, the make-believe, the fake, the fakeness. The, you know, I see all the pettiness of myself, my colleagues, the industry, I just see all of that and I just think to myself, why even fucking bother? But then again, the blessing is I get the full experience. So if I see this thing to fruition, 
if I ride this rail to uh, retirement, I'm going to have a beautiful picture of a career as a performer. So I got to hang in there. I'm also a custodian, by the way. <laughs> janitor. Yeah, mop floors. So what? What, you wouldn't kiss a janitor, huh? Too dirty for you, huh? I'm a scumbag, huh? Wouldn't take me home to meet mother, would you, huh? No, Jonathan, no, no, it's not like that at all. I love you. No, you don't, you lying whore. <clears throat> Just kidding. Uh, well, I'm not kidding about being a janitor. <laughs> I am a janitor. Uh, yeah, I mop floors, you know, scrub toilets, change towels. Whatever, man. Don't give a blood clot fuck. Boom, boom, clot. Don't care, man. I got to make that money. Buku, buku. It facilitates my uh, performing, which is uh, the definition of my life. So those are the four things, man. Temporary laborer, alcoholic, actor, comedian. Welcome to the show. And uh, don't take that whore thing I said there as a fucking... Uh, don't, get all, don't get all bunched up and start crying fucking offensiveness, you know? I don't care. <laughs> That's another thing to... Um, Sometimes I'm actually met with a lot of, um, believe it or not, as a washed-up hack. Um, I do come into contact with people who have criticisms and insight onto my work. And uh, most of the time, it's pretty positive. Uh, I was doing a show not too long ago, and this lady, she goes, um, You're really funny, you know? You shouldn't be the host. Like, you're, like it was a show that I was hosting. But she was going, um, you know, you're really funny. You shouldn't be a host. Like, you really got something. I'm like, oh, great. Thank you. And those are the nice moments. Those are the good moments when people appreciate you. Then you get the moments, too. Same show, by the way. A different woman. I was offended by what you said. And blah, blah, blah. And then you get some stupid email. I was offended when you made fun of this or that. And it's just like, basically put, my intention is to never offend I understand if it happens, and that's a casualty of war. And I hope you can come back to me at a different time. I hope you can see that I'm always in a work in progress. I'm always trying to better myself. And as a comedian, that's what I do. I make fun of things. So it's, it's ridiculous for me to apologize, but I understand if, um, you know, you were upset. And I definitely don't take it lightly, but it's the casualty of war. I'm a comedian. Yeah. So, um, you know, those are some of the things I'm dealing with right now. But, um, hey, you know, it all comes out in the wash. What I want to talk about today here is, um, holy shit, they're really turning up the circus out there. Holy fuck. How much more attention do you need, boys? Is the whole, is the whole neighborhood awake yet? It's only 5 o'clock in the fucking morning. 4.54 a.m., no, you guys don't care, right? You got snow to shovel. Oh, my God. Ugh. But what I wanted to talk about today is, um, you know, two things. Let's start with cynicism. Now, I'm going to use my cell phone here. You're going to hear a little beep, maybe. Um, turning on my cell phone. See, that was my cell phone. But let's look up the definition of cynicism. I'm pretty sure I remember it. The definition of cynicism is the belief that people are motivated by self-interest. That's my belief. That's what I believe. I'm not bitter about it. 
I'm not um, resigned. I'm very much optimistic, hopeful, um, open-minded. But fundamentally, I'm a cynic. I believe people are motivated by self-interest. I don't believe that's the only thing that motivates them. But generally speaking, people are self-absorbed. And I don't even know if that's necessarily a bad thing. It sounds bad. Who wants to admit that they're selfish? But generally speaking, people are out for themselves. And is that even really a bad thing? I mean, it makes sense. You have your responsibilities. You got a responsibility to yourself. You got a responsibility to your family. You got pressures. You're out for you. I understand. But the damaging factor is some people are so absorbed that they got no room for anybody. No tolerance, no patience, no nothing, no empathy. And that just really makes for an ugly world. And that's what we're seeing in this Trump era. That's what we're seeing tale as old as time. Like that fucking teapot saying, tale as old as time. True to be the least, both a little scared, neither one prepared. Cynicism. That's what it is, man. Tale as old as time. People don't give a fuck. <laughs> Hello? And uh, let me check this out here. The exact definition of this bumbleclot thing called, de- uh, called uh, cynicism. C-Y-C-I... How do you spell it? Sin, C-Y-C-N-I-C-I-S-M. C-Y-N-I-C-I-S-M. Cynicism. An inclination to believe that people are motivated purely by self-interest. Skepticism. So there. Hit it on the head. Nailed it. That's what people are, man, in my opinion. Motivated purely by self-interest. <sighs> Goddamn shame. It's a crying shame. But, yo, that's just how it is. And in addition to that, I'd like to read you this poem. It's by Charles Bukowski. He was a great author, poet, uh, came up in the L.A. scene post-World War II. He was an alcoholic, burnt-out drunk, Scraped and scrounged around for years to make it. Somewhere in his 60s, he hit a renaissance and started to get some appreciation for his work. He, uh, yeah, and he really was countercultural in a lot of his, uh, just his his everyday man speech, everyday man and woman speech. And he was kind of an advocate for the downtrodden, a skid row type of person. And uh, here's a poem he wrote, Charles Bukowski. The genius of the crowd. There is enough treachery, hatred, violence, absurdity in the average human being to supply any given army on any given day. And the best at murder are those who preach against it And the best at hate are those who preach love. And the best at war, finally, are those who preach peace. Those who preach God need God. Those who preach peace do not have peace. Those who preach peace do not have love. 
Beware the preachers. Beware the knowers. Beware those who are always reading books. Beware those who either detest poverty or are proud of it. Beware those quick to praise, for they need praise in return. Beware those who are quick to censor. They are afraid of what they do not know. Beware those who seek constant crowds, for they are nothing alone. Beware the average man, the average woman. Beware their love. Their love is average, seeks average. But their genius in their hatred. There is genius in their hatred to kill you, to kill anybody. Not wanting solitude, not understanding solitude, they will attempt to destroy anything that differs from their own. Not able to create art, they will not understand art. They will consider their failures as creators only as a failure of the world. Not being able to love fully, they will believe your love incomplete. And then they will hate you. And their hatred will be perfect, like a shining diamond, like a knife, like a mountain, like a tiger, like hemlock. Their finest art. The Genius of the Crowd, Charles Bukowski, poem. Beware of the average. And that's what it is, the average person. Complete cynicism. The belief that people are motivated by self-interest. That's what I believe. That poem kind of adds a little poetic twist to what I'm saying. But, um... Beware. And not beware, but just be... be yeah, beware. Be aware. <laughs> Don't beware as in be scared, but be aware as in that you're aware of what it is. And sometimes to get through to those people, you got to show them love and understanding and empathy and give them a reason to care. Because the average person doesn't have a reason to care. Take a look out your window. What's the reason to care? <laughs> what is it? You tell me, what's the reason to care? There isn't any. <laughs> Unless you make it, right? You gotta make it. You gotta truly care. You know, Gandhi said, you know, an eye for the eye leaves the whole world blind. You gotta be the change you wanna see in the world. Well, he was a fucking idiot, Gandhi. He never made any money, died hungry, poor, alone, shot, assassinated. And, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of wisdom in those words. You got to be the change you want to see in the world. An eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. You got to extend yourself. You don't have to go on a hunger stripe. Stripe? <laughs> you don't have to go on a hunger strike and wear a fucking uh, diaper on your fucking self. You know how he wore those little Hindu diapers and the little shawl and wore little glasses of his? Like, you don't have to go bald and wear a fucking Hindu diaper, but like, not eat anything. But, like, you should try to, you know, extend yourself to people. That's what I'm trying to do. Try to find a reason. Because, um, you know, just lately when I'm looking at work, when I'm looking at my personal life, and when I'm looking at my, uh, my life calling, my art, when I look at those things... I just get this cynicism, you know? Like, for example, um, 
Our Righteous Mike. That's the stand-up comedy show that I was producing in Toronto, Canada at a venue. Now, I recently resigned that show. After the second show, I sent a Facebook message to the bar owner saying, thank you very much, but I don't believe our righteous Mike It's a good fit for your venue. It's not a good fit for your venue. Thank you for the chance. All the best. Thumbs up. <laughs> you know those little thumbs up thing? Those are so arrogant. But I sent one of those. And yeah, I resigned the show. Let me tell you about it. So as I already recapped, the first show, major heckler, major bullshit. If you want to check that out, uh, check out, uh, let me take a look at my phone here. I think it's like episode 63 or some shit. Uh, episode 62 or something. What is it? YouTube, save me. Tell me what it is. YouTube, save me. Tell me about the HIV. YouTube, save me. What is it? Yes, if you want to check out the story of the first heckler, check out episode number 61 of Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast. Episode number 61. So the first night was a bullshit fucking... The first night was great in terms of the comics were amazing. I had some amazing comics on the show. The guests were awesome. Um, people came out, so it was well attended. But there was one heckler in the audience, and uh, he was a major shit show moron. You can check out episode 61 if you want to hear about that. So, flash forward to uh, the next show, which was uh, last week. Last Thursday. So I walk into the bar. And, uh, you know, I just, sometimes I know. Sometimes I just know when it's like, you know, you know when you know, when your gut tells you something, you know, usually when I'm on my way to a show, especially a show that I'm producing, come on, I mean, I feel on top of the world. It's such a great feeling to be on your way to a show. I love that feeling of, you know, I'm in my, you know, I'm in my apartment, I'm getting dressed, you know, I'm going over things in my head. I take that nice, long, warm shower, and I'm just thinking about jokes and trying to get into my headspace. You know, you got the freshly ironed t-shirt or dress shirt. You got the fucking freshly out. You got the freshly ironed t-shirt. You got the freshly ironed dress shirt. You got the freshly ironed trousers. You slip them on. You loop your belt. You put your shoes on. You, you know, you 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 know you you put your cap on. You put your jacket on. You. You, 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 you put your scarf on, you, you, you walk out the door, you, you turn around, you lock the door, and then there's that moment. There's that moment. Once you lock that door, you're like, <coughs> I'm on my way to do magic. You get that fucking little feeling like, yeah, I'm blowing this popsicle stand to go tell some fucking jokes. And then you just walk out that fucking door into the world, eyes open, ears open, heart open, head open, you know? It's just a fucking feeling, right? You feel on top of the fucking world when you leave to go do a show. I feel like on top of the fucking world. It's the best feeling for me, one of the best feelings. In a lifetime of um, bad feelings. <laughs> when do I ever feel good? 
I'm a cynic. I don't feel good. What? When I did a favor for you, that makes me feel good? No. When I'm doing something for myself. When I'm going out there to, um, you know, spread a little happiness in the world. Put a little love in your heart. When I go out there to do that, mmm. Double up. Mmm, mmm. It feels good. I feel good. You know? Fucking A. And I was not getting that feeling last Thursday, you know, packed up my gear. I have all my own gear, you know, PA system, public address system, my PA system, my microphone, my microphone stand. I'm a microphone fiend. So I was packing up all my gear, walked out the door, locked the door, started walking, got outside. And I was just like, yo, I don't feel good about this. This don't feel good. And it's, you know, the truth of the situation. The venue sucked. Uh, The owner, hey, she gave us a chance to produce a show, but she gave it begrudgingly. But I'll get back to that. First of all, the, uh, the patrons, just the general bar flies that hang out at that bar, they're just obnoxious, drunks, ignorant fools. And they badger and heckle and blah, 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 and da, 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 to the point of abuse. You know what I mean? It's not like I couldn't deal with them. I dealt with them fine. I'm not even going to go into it. I don't want to relive the horror. I don't want to relive the horror of the situation, but it was more or less the same on the second show. Um, Ignorant, disgruntled hecklers... A group of them this time. The first show, there was only one. This show, there was three of them. They're yelling shit, blah, 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 blah. And prior to the show, they were um, seemingly decent men. Seemingly decent people. They came up to me. Oh, hey, you're doing a comedy night here, huh? Okay, cool. What's your name? Oh, nice to meet you, John. I'm so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. They seemed decent. As soon as I switched that microphone on... <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> just like babbling. And I'm talking babbling. Like they were just. <laughs> it was more or less that incoherent. I don't even know what the fuck they were on. From time to time, they would say some vulgarity, make some stupid observation to which I would just annihilate them. This time I was prepared. The last show, I was like a deer in headlights. This one, I was lopping heads off, insulting, going back and forth, getting some laughs. It was a fucking battle show, right? Like some of the comics said. Some of the other comics, they had to take that pain as well. (laughs) They were getting heckled and harangued and harassed by uh, this stupid audience. Did my best to promote it. Wasn't the best attended show, but I mean... You can't expect everybody to show up to your shows all the time. You know, you got to you got to build, you got to build upward. It's a building phase. So yeah, we were just getting harassed and harangued and uh just ignorant audience. And the coup de gras on top of which even before the show started, as I mentioned, the owner, she was kind of begrudging to begin with. That's what kind of hit me in my stomach, the pit of my stomach, when she gave me the deal, right? Because I approached her at a bar one day. I came to her bar, and I asked her. I said, oh, hi, my name's Jonathan. I'm a stand-up comic. I'm looking to promote, produce a comedy night. And she's just like, yes, 
Okay, yes, I can give you a stage, and yeah, 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 yes. And in my head, I'm like, hmm, sure, this is great, and it's benevolent, and it's a blessing, but, like, it's too easy. Like, where's her, like, what's in, like, you know, the cynic in me spoke up. The cynic, I'm like, well, what's in it for her? Like, she's not mentioning the fact of the only thing that makes a show successful in a bar's eye is that it sells drinks. There's money to be made. I mean, they don't just want me there out of charity. And she's not mentioning any of this. She's just like, okay, sure, yes, I'll give you a stage and I'll give you the opportunity and blah, 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 okay. And I'm like, well, this doesn't strike home as true. Like, I'm, where's, the, where's the business end? I'm thinking about that, right? But I took the gift. I'm like, okay, thank you. And I put everything I had into it. I, I got posters done up. I invited everybody I could. I posted it on various uh, blogs, various places on the internet for attention to be seen on this show to attract people to the venue. And it's a growing phase, right? It's, an, it's, a, it's a young show. It takes time to grow. It takes time for the community to know, hey, there's a comedy show going on here every Wednesday or every Thursday night. There's a comedy show going on. And it's decent. It's an option for the community. It's an option for people. Hey, the, you, you got to give t- people time to know about it, right? Second show, out the gate, she comes up to me before the show. I'm setting up for the show. And she goes, okay, Jonathan, um, so what do, you, what, do you, what do you, so how often do you want to do the show? And I'm like, weekly, like we talked about, like, uh... I had printed on the posters that I'd got done up weekly. Like we discussed, I was thinking, I was thinking about doing the show kind of like we discussed weekly. And then she goes, okay, well, as long as it was like last week, as long as it was like last week, when there has to be people here every time, like last week, like putting the pressure on me right out the gate to have people there all the time, like last week. So she's already given me the pressure when think there's no reason to have pressure it's like i'm doing the best to promote it the first show was well attended and you're already giving me shit yes it is her venue yes it is her space but it's like by the other token it's like yo like can't you see that i'm trying but it's not even that i want her sympathy or tears i'm a cynic i don't give a fuck i knew she didn't give a fuck i knew that from the get-go it's like well, this is what it, what's in it for her is to make money, obviously. And uh, I just said to her, okay, well, we'll see. And um, her shrewd businessness, like she's the type of business owner that will overserve a drunk. The first show, part of the problem was the heckler was so drunk, but she didn't give a fuck. She's a shrewd businesswoman. All she cares about is selling drinks. So she's pushing drinks on the customers. She's pushing drinks on over-obnoxious customers, over-intoxicated customers who are harassing and haranguing, interrupting the show, acting like complete morons. She's still serving them. She served him at least another three beers. I'm like, oh my God, he's fucking hammered. Are you serious? She doesn't give a fuck. She's a shrewd businesswoman. So that, on top of the fact that her general patrons are just complete assholes, I mean, these are loser drunks that are in the bar all the time. 
So these are people that you're going to have to see every time you do the show. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't want to be around this. So I resigned the show. And on top of resigning the show, I also had a cynical experience with booking the show. Uh, As you well know, or as you may or may not know, as you probably have heard, because it's kind of, there's like, you know, a great thing is there's a real interest in stand-up comedy nowadays due to podcasting and Netflix and henceforth. Well, one thing in the comedy community is that there's a lot of mental illness. There's a lot of drug abuse, alcohol abuse. Well, maybe not a lot. From what I hear, it's less than the olden days, but there's still a lot of mental health issues, some substance abuse problems. Uh, It's an unfortunate light to have to paint myself as a part of a group like that, but that's what's in my group. That's what's in my peers, right? And as I was trying to book the show, it became apparent. I had a lot of comics with like, you know, mental health issues hitting me up. Just, you know, all sorts of bullshit, more or less, right? And the cynicism comes out in me. I see all these people with mental health issues. Oh, help me, put me on, can I get a spot? And then I see, um, you know, people that wouldn't give me the time of day. Beforehand, right? That's how pathetic uh, comedians are. (laughs) That's how pathetic a performer is, really, truly. How desperate, you know? They, you know, comics that wouldn't give me the time of day beforehand, right? You know? Not even to say hi at a club. You know, they know me. You walk by them, you see them, they won't even look at you. Shit like that, you know? Just the pathetic nature that they are. But as soon as you get something, as soon as I'm producing a show, all of a sudden, oh, hi, John, let's be friends on Facebook. Hi, John, uh, so-and-so, John, uh, can I get a spot? Oh, hi, John, John, remember me? Everybody comes out of the woodwork. It's like that story of the hen, the hen that wanted to bake the bread. The hen, there was a hen who wanted to bake a loaf of bread. She goes to uh, the pig. Hey, pig, do you want to help me bake some bread? You want want to help me gather some flour and some wheat? The pig's like, no, I can't do that. No. And the hen's like, okay, whatever. So then the hen goes over to, um, you know, a horse and goes, uh, hey, horse. Hey, horse. Hey, horse. You want to help me bake some bread? And the horse is like, no, I can't do that. The horse won't help her. So the hen, she goes over to the, uh, the dog. Bake some bread? The dog's like, woof, no, woof, 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 no, bow, wow, wow, no. Okay. So then the hen, she goes and she bakes the bread. So she bakes this loaf of bread, this hen. Then all of a sudden, all the animals come out of nowhere. Woof, woof, woof. Can I have some bread? The hen's like, no, you didn't help me. You didn't help me. No, you didn't help me. You didn't help me. Yeah. Story of the hen and the bread. That's like these fucking comics. These Dr. Seuss, Mother Goose, Cat in the Hat, fake-ass fucking comics. Fucking dummy, dilettante, dipshit, fuck faces, losers, pathetic, low lives. They come out of the woodwork the second you got something. Leeches, parasites. They just come out of the fucking woodwork. 
goddamn germs. They come out of anywhere. Can I help? Help me. Can I have something? Can I be on the show, please? Me? Help me, John. Cynicism. Nothing was in it for them to know me before the show. Then when the show was on, all of a sudden, oh, John, John, how are you? They're never going to hear this, right? Because they're cynics. <laughs> they're not going to listen to my podcast, so whatever. But then again, like I said, I'm not some hopeless, uh, bitter person. I'm an optimistic, hopeful, open-minded person. And what about the good? Because the first show, I had a lineup of comics that were uh, killers. And they were great. And they uh, they came out and they did a favor for me. And they, they did the show and they did it well. But I was also met with a lot of negativity. And uh, that's what I'm talking about. Learning how to balance my, my, my belief of cynicism. Not to let it take me down that dark road. Like Public Enemy says, you know, don't let a win get to your head or a loss to your heart. You know? It might feel good, it might sound a little something, but damn the game if it don't mean nothing. What is game? Who got game? Where's the game in life? Behind the game, behind the game. I got game. They got game. She got game. He got game. It might feel good, it might sound a little something, but fuck the game if it ain't saying nothing. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with God over there. Telling me I got to beware. It's time we stop, children. What's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. Mm. Yo, these are some real times we're living in, G. And the new world order is about to begin. So I gotta ask you a question. Are you ready for the real revolution, which is the revolution of the mind? If you seek, then you will find that we all stem from the divine. You get what I'm saying, G? You feel me? <clears throat> Public Enemy, man. He Got Game. That was a dope song. That was a dope movie. He Got Game, Denzel Washington, Spike Lee, 1997, 1998. Dope. He Got Game. P.E. Full Effect. That was a good song. Good movie. But anyways, like I'm saying, I'm not trying to go down no negative fucking road in my head. You don't want to let a win get to your head or a loss to your heart, like Public Enemy says. And, uh, yo, like, these guys were awesome to me, these comics, on the first show. So there's no need for me to feel like my whole community is just a full of drug addict, mental patient, fucking leeches, lecherous fucking parasites. There's some good in there too, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, and by the way, what do you think I did? What do you think I did after I resigned our righteous Mike from that venue? What, did I fall back on my ass? Oh, I guess it's over for me. Wow. Did I, get, did I let a loss get to my heart? Hell no. I got up off my ass. I wasn't even really fall down, really. It was more like just like a jab. Kind of got punched in the face a little, you know, slapped around a little. And I was like, whoa. Then I have to, you know, got my bearings. And then I'm like, yo, okay, whatever. And then I hit the fucking pavement. I've been uh, putting in uh, requests to uh, book 
venues rent out space to produce our righteous mic because that was my intention to begin with my gut told me to begin with like you don't want to go down the bar route because they're just going to be over your head every moment to um, push drinks they're going to be on you like you owe them something where i don't want to be on anybody to owe anybody nothing because i don't i'm a cynic i don't owe you shit fuck off and die <laughs> So I'm like, yo, I don't want to be like indebted to anybody. I want to rent a space, be free to do what I do, and make a connection with my audience because that's what it's about. I'm not in it to fucking appease some fucking gluttonous, some gluttonous fucking bar owner or some dumbass drunk at the bar. I'm not in it for that. I'm in it to connect with my audience and connect with my community of comedians, right? What's good for me is good for the goose. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. And then we all flock together. Hallelujah. So as it stands, Our Righteous Mike is on hiatus, but it is in work. It is a work in progress. I got a meeting uh, with a venue, a local venue. Um, we're setting up a meeting to uh, see what we can do, see if Our Righteous Mike can be a part of their community and uh, go on to be um, the show that I know it can be. So, you know, I'm living the dream. I'm living, in, I'm living the dream. I'm living in the benefit. I'm staying positive. And, uh, you know, more details to come. Hallelujah. Thank you for all that um, attended. Thank you to all who performed on it. Uh, I'm sorry if I couldn't hire you because you had a mental disorder. <laughs> but, um, you know, maybe in the future... Uh, the doors could be a little bit more extended. And, um, because I don't want to be that way. That was a part of what, um, that was a part of the title of the show, Our Righteous Mike. Because I'm one of those people, too, that, you know, I, I got a fucking problem. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an alcoholic. Two years and three months of sobriety. And some people know me as an alcoholic from my days of drinking. Some people are unaware of it. And I'm, I fall under a societal, uh, what do you call it, judgment, a societal um, stereotype, you know? But the truth of the matter is I got a lot of healing and a lot of hope in my life. And um, Our Righteous Mike was named that way to include people, you know? I see a lot of it in the community. Everybody's out for themselves. Everybody's cynical. Everybody's uh, just out to grab what they can and fuck the next person. You ain't shit. I'm the shit. That's people's ragtag mentality. And Our Wretched Mike was a way for me to build a bridge and be like, yo, I want to work with people who want to work with people. And I want to network with comics who want to network with comics. Not this fucking penny-pinching, money-grubbing, Fucking um, egotistical, lecherous, fucking parasitical, fucking bullshit, horseshit um, vibe that is like permeating the community. There is no community, really. <laughs> I mean, maybe there is like little pockets of it that I haven't been exposed to, but it's like, like I said, it's a cold frontier. You know, you're a single horse on the open prairie and there's bandits and fucking um, bush parties galore.
Fucking engines, bandits, train robbers, fucking sheriffs, all sorts of tariffs. You gotta look your ass out. It's a cold frontier out there for the lone comic, man. Gunslinging, joke huffing, fucking, you know, two shoes, two feet in a heartbeat, walking motherfucker. It ain't easy. <laughs> and uh, that's what I've been trying to do, trying to build a bridge, connect with other comics, other artists. So that's the point of uh, the title, Our Righteous Mike. And, uh, you know, hopefully in the future, like I said, I can extend the show and I can extend to more people. But <sighs> I'm working through my own cynicism as well. The inclination to just fuck everybody who gives a fuck. Just to be another fucking person in the crowd. Just to be another genius in the crowd. You know? But hey, hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Can't thank enough to the people that supported Our Righteous Mike. We're going forward, and uh, that's it. Ain't nothing gonna break my style. Ain't nothing gonna slow me down. Oh no, I got to keep on moving. Ain't nothing gonna touch my cunt. <laughs> I don't drop the C word that often. I like it, I like it more as like a conversational punch line, you know what I mean? But uh, it doesn't work for me on stage. The C word, cunt, you know? People got it all up in arms about it. I don't see what the big deal is, you know? <laughs> I mean, women, they get offended by it. They think it's like a derogatory. Is it really? Can you really insult? I guess, uh, I don't know. It's like, it's a battle that I don't find worth fighting. I remember one time I was on stage and I was like, uh, you know, I was dropping the cunt bomb. And I was like, ah, oh, you cunts, this and that. Not like particularly about women, but like cunt was a very popular word in like 2008. Louis C.K., other prominent comics, Bill Burr, a lot of people, Doug Stanhope. A lot of those comics of that, well, I mean, they're, they're timeless comics really. But like in that era, those type of comics were kind of really kind of on my radar. I feel like they were on the radar of the comedy community. People were really on that vibe, right? And cunt was just a popular word. Cunt, cunt, cunt. Everyone was saying it. And I remember one time I did a show and it was like this fucking vegan comedian, comedian woman. She was hosting the show and uh, I went up there and I was spewing cunt left, right, and center. Then she goes, give it up for Jonathan Ramcharan. What does he think he is, the black Louis C.K.? <laughs> if you mean by that, uh, the black, uh, do I think I'm black and funny? Uh, yes, thank you. <laughs> oh, whatever. Anyways, so, um, if you have any question, queries, or qualms on cunt, Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Give me your cunt complaints. Complain like a cunt. Tell me why I shouldn't use that word and what it means to you. Because guess what? You're a cynic, self-centered fucking cunt. <laughs> and your opinion matters. Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com, you cunt. <clears throat> what else? Oh, yeah, happy Black History Month, everybody. <clears throat> happy Black History Month. <sighs> It's the end of an era. 
It's the end of uh, Black History Month, uh, February 28th. Tomorrow is March 1st. What did I learn? What did I feel? Who have I been this Black History Month? Hmm. Where I'm feeling is we live in a cynical world. People motivated by self-interest. And the more we communicate and discuss and talk, we get closer to understanding. You know, we get closer to the truth of ourselves. And we're able to interact with people better, more fully, more understood. So that's what I'm feeling like. I'm feeling like I'm living in the benefit of being a black man, 2019. Um, my ancestors fought civil rights battles just the battle to exist with their own civil liberties. And I'm living in the benefit of their fighting. I'm living in the benefit. I'm living in that freedom. So I got no squab, got no squabbles, no, um, no feeling. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm living in peace. I'm feeling good. <clears throat> and I'm not trying to, not trying to burden myself with, illusions and delusions of pain and strife. I don't think the world's a great place, like um, perfect. I don't think the world's a perfect place, but it's a lot better than it has been. People are trying to get along. Um, the races are intermingling working together, living together, loving together, all that stuff. And <clears throat> I don't know. I just um, kind of checked out, checked out from the whole blah, blah, blah dialogue because it's just been going on for too long. And it's almost at the point now where we've come so far, it's going to continue to go forward. And if you're not on the fucking wagon, then you're off the wagon. If you're not with it, then you ain't with it. And you feel me? And pretty soon you won't be able to say that. You won't be able to say, you feel me. You'll just be like that fucking person, like, out of the urban dialogue. <laughs> you'll sound out of place every time, every time you try to sound like, um, you know, you'll say, what's up? You'll go, what's up? You'll have no flavor to your fucking patois. And, um... Pretty soon you just you either are with it or you're not with it. And that's just the bottom line. And who cares? I mean, that's your choice. Whatever. Who cares? We don't need you. Because there's enough, there's enough people that are, are with it. So it's like, whatever. Does that make sense? Am I simplifying it too much? I don't know. Maybe I am. Maybe I am simplifying it too much. Simplifying it too much. But um, I don't know. Let me see. I wrote some notes on some things to talk about for Black History Month. Um, well, yeah, that was what I wrote. Here's my, here's my note. I'm over it, like bureaucracy. I'm just over the bureaucracy and the fucking bullshit of, um, you know, the nine to five world. Just the, I'm just over the fucking blah, 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 bullshit. I'm over it like my ovaries, baby. And uh, 
that's kind of what I wanted to do for Black History Month. Because I was looking around for different things to do. Um, there was like a black, uh, a black arts film festival. They were posting all these pictures up at work, you know. The first person to do this and that as a black person. The first person to do that as a black person. They're posting all this horse shit. And it's got me thinking. Like, I just want to go back into my my, my mind. Sorry, the chair's squeaking here. I was like, what should I do? Like, you know, sometimes, like, the more options appear, the less seems to be done. Like, the more options you have, the less you want to do. It's like, all these options of things I could do for Black History Month. And it just got me feeling kind of, like, trapped. And I'm just like, yo, like, I just want to live. You know? Like, like black lives matter. <laughs> I just want to live. I don't want to hear it all the fucking time. Blah, blah, blah. Black, 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 black. I'm black. Like, yeah, I know I'm black. I love being black. It's not something I would ever think about unless people, fu- unless people fucked with me. I don't think about it. It's in your fucking head. Oh, a black man. Like, it's not something I would ever think about unless it's called upon me to think about. And that's how I'm feeling. It's just like, I want to live in the benefit of the freedom that my forefathers and foremothers or whatever, four uncles and aunts, fought for. I don't want to be thinking about bullshit all the time of, oh, you know, like, this pro, like, I don't know, it's too much. Too much with the issues, almost, right? It, it rings insincere in a way to me, too. That's the thing. It's like, it's, it's just insincere, filibustering. Let me see some real change. Just shut the fuck up. Get off my back. Quit shooting black kids. All these fucking gun-trigger-happy fucking cops. Quit shooting black people. How about this? Quit shooting black people. Have straightforward business arrangements. And then we won't need to celebrate the first fucking black man to use a toaster oven and Whatever. Oh, Black History Month, the first black man to cross a sidewalk. Like, we won't have to celebrate these stupid things if people would just treat one another with respect. You think I give a fuck the first black man to play tennis? I don't care. <laughs> like, at all. <sighs> Feel me. But, um, I don't know. <sighs> That's how I feel. Should I be apologetic for that? I will not be apologetic for that. I will not apologize for my feelings. Um, another thing I was noticing too, um, as I mentioned, I'm a janitor. Eh, so what? I mop floors. So what? I'm a janitor. Um, <laughs> sometimes when you're at work and you're mopping a floor, and uh, there's different type of brothers, different types, right? Some will, like, you know, look at you like, what's up, my brother, right on, and keep fighting the fight, or whatever, right? Some will, like, look away, like, oh, my God, I worked too hard for this. <laughs> you know, they shun you, they shun you, right? They look away with cowardice, <laughs> you know? Uh, I think that's what it is, this Black History Month. The more, the more things change, the more they stay the same, and the more options you have, the more confusing it can be. And it's just like, 
I don't know. I think I hit a limit even for myself as a black man where I'm just like, enough already. Like, I just want to live in the benefit. You know? Like, um, I mentioned, like, I already have a propensity or a inclination to be cynical. So it's like, <clears throat> it's all about self, it's all about people motivated by self-interest. So like sometimes I look at black folks who are all blah, blah, blah about Black History Month and I look at them and I think to myself too, like what's their motivation? A lot of them aren't even for the community. It's to like look like they're for the community or to impress their white coworkers. There's tons of those people. I see them at work, you know. They got their fake afros puffed up for fucking Black History Month and they, they walk around with their fucking nose up in the air and you could tell they don't have any black friends. You're not a fucking, you know, you've left your hood and you're, you're trying to mingle with the fucking, uh, <laughs> you know who. And uh, you know what their, their, their agenda is. You could see it in the little fucking, oh, it's like, oh, nice Pantagonia jacket, you know. Nice, pont- nice Pantagonia jacket and dreadlocks, black man, black woman. Yes, you're one of us, aren't you? <laughs> you're fighting the right fight right on, my brother. Fuck off, you stupid fucking hootie and the blowfish listening to fucking dilettante, dummy, dipshit, moron. Go wear a fucking Pantagonia vest and go fucking Nordic walk pole walking. You know those idiots who walk around with those Nordic poles trying to look like they're skiing in the middle of the downtown? Why don't you go wear one of those Patagonia jackets and go fucking Nordic pole walking, you fucking dreadlock having fucking (laughs) fucking uh, Uncle Tom or whatever, you know? And then there were people who would call me an Uncle Tom because, like, my, my accent, I don't sound black. Or maybe I do, I don't know. Sometimes you do hear, a, like, sometimes I'll hear somebody talking that's black, and they have, like, a real Western, like, just a real, just, I don't know, like, a Canadian accent, or, like, a Midwestern accent. They just sound like a normal West Midwesterner, or a, a, a Canadian, or whatever, like, just like a, you know, just like a North American accent. They don't, well, there's a lot of accents in North America, but, I mean... They just sound like stale white bread, you know, like like me. <laughs> and um, some people would call me an Uncle Tom because of the way I sound, right? So that's, you know, that's the, that's the danger of when you start going to judge people, right, too hard. You know, I'm searching within my soul for something poignant, poignant to say on Black History Month, but it's like, just live and let live. For God's sakes, can't we all get along? I'm sick of the dialogue. I'm sick of the discussion. Just, yo, get the fuck up off me. Allow me to thrive and allow me to pursue my happiness like any other motherfucker. Quit shooting fucking black men and women. You trigger happy fucking pigs. And uh, fuck off and eat a nutsack, and that's about it. Don't need much else. I don't need to be reminded of anything other than, you know, a couple fucking, you know, James Brown songs, and then there you go. That's all you need to know. What the fuck else do you need to know? Anyway.
<clears throat> uh, that's how I'm feeling this Black History Month. And, um, you know, I truly hope that in this era of like Donald Trump and uh, social movement through the internet, discussion that the world becomes less cynical because um, this is a way that I joke about it, but I'm probably, but I am joking about a very serious thing like, you know, cynicism. People being motivated by self-interest. That's my belief. I see that in the world. And I question it. And that's what I want in general is to get past that for myself and help and hope that other people can get past that too because many hands make light work and that's when life really opens up. And... I'm going to say a prayer. Lord, thank you very much for this Black History Month. Learned a whole lot. And my black ass is still black, but you can't win them all. And uh, Lord, going forward, after this Black History Month, uh, next month is uh, March, you know, and that's the year of the Irishman, you know, St. Patrick's Day and the whatnot. Lord, going forward into the this year, 2019, hope that me and my black brothers and sisters could get together with those white brothers and sisters and Asian and Hispanic and whatever they may be, and we could all get along and live along in harmony and peace and unity. Lord, this I pray in your name. Hallelujah. Do you believe me? It's your Tucker Buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramtran. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent February. 28th in the year of our Lord, 2019. Happy Black History Month. Let's keep it simple. Live and let live. Cynicism? Hey, I'm working to address mine. Please work to address yours. If you have any questions, queries, or qualms, hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Send me in that feedback. And, um, you know, we can discuss it. Again, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Till the next time, you live it, you love it, you realize it. Thank you very much to all those who supported Our Righteous Mike. We are going to be back at you very shortly. All right? Stay tuned. Hit us up at Our Righteous Mike on Facebook. All right. Peace.